Hello, you're all very welcome back to our season-ending episode of A Week in Football. My name is Matt Smith and I've been joined again for the last time this season by Ed Kogan. Ed, how are you? All good, Matt. All good. You? All good, yeah. Um, I was depressed, embarrassed, as I have been for the last uh, few weeks with Everton. But, um, yes, yeah, I left, left you alone this weekend, to be honest. Yeah, yesterday was a bit of a uh, we are where we are type of situation and uh, a sudden realisation that we are actually just a mid-table team and we're, we're going to get into it and kind of summarise the season as a whole towards the end of the podcast. But um, we did have 10 um, fixtures all on Sunday, 4 o'clock kickoffs. Um, we're just going to rifle through the results and then we'll have a quick chat about um, how the final uh, league standings look and who got those European spots. Uh, so the first game that we're going to look at is Arsenal versus Brighton. Arsenal won this game 2-0, uh, two goals in the second half from Nicolas Pepe. He's finally, finally paying back his big uh, price tag. Maybe it was just the case that he has to get acclimatised to the to the league and stuff like that, but he's, he's been banging in goals as of late, but it, it wasn't good enough for Arsenal. This is the first season now, next season, where Arsenal haven't had European football in 20-plus seasons. So it's a bit of a culture shock for Arsenal fans, but maybe they do need to press that restart button. Brighton were already safe anyway before this game, so it was a nothing game for them. And uh, hopefully they can kick on next season, Brighton, because I don't want them to turn into like a Burnley or a Palace that we love, you know. So um, hopefully they kind of uh, kick on. They do play decent football, in fairness, but uh, they, do, yeah. they, do, they do seem to get, don't, uh, get the wins over the line. Second game, was Aston Villa against Chelsea. This was a massive game, obviously, for um, the European places, Champions League places. And uh, a lot of pundits actually said that this could be the game that trips Chelsea up, and it turned out to be the case. Aston Villa won this game 2-1. Uh, Triori again uh, for Aston Villa, scoring just before half-time. It was a very Ill- ill-tempered game, actually. There was a lot of yellow cards in it as well. Um, then El Ghazi scored the second goal for Aston Villa. It was a penalty. And then Timo Werner had yet another goal ruled out. I think that's the 15th time this <laughs> he's had a goal ruled out uh, for offside, a handball or whatever it was. Um, but Chelsea, like at the time, with all the games kicking off at the same time, Chelsea were 2 0 down in this game and all the other results were going against them. Um, but as a stroke of luck, they, even though they did lose this game 2 1, Ben Chilwell got a goal back for Chelsea in the 70th minute they somehow ended up in the Champions League spots, which we'll cover after this. Azpilicueta got sent off in the 89th minute. Like we said, it was a bit of an ill-tempered game. Chelsea probably thought they they were out of it um, in, in the last 10 minutes, and they probably thought they had to settle for fifth spot. But they were saved from the clouds. Um, so we had another game there. I won't spend too much time on this whatsoever. Fulham against Newcastle. Newcastle ran out 2-0 winners. Um, yet again, Absolutely fantastic season uh, from him. He's, I think, I think I've seen a stat. He's played twenty-two games this season for Newcastle. Majority of them were off the bench, so I doubt he played that um, majority of games. I'd say he's probably only played about ten in total. Did he not only go for them in January? Yeah, he's games for Newcastle and he scored eight league goals, which is actually an absolutely incredible return. Um, and considering his eight goals have pretty much been in the last seven or eight games as well, and. In, in my opinion, Joe Willock is the reason why Newcastle are still in this division. He's actually he he's he's gotten them loads of points over the last weeks. 
and fair play to them. Listen, Fulham were already relegated and Newcastle were safe, so this game didn't mean absolutely anything. It wasn't the telly, I don't think. Next game was Leeds against West Brom. Uh, Leeds does round a fantastic season for them. Uh, he did say that they left it too late for the European spots. They won this game 3-1 against West Brom. They ended up finishing ninth, um, which is a fantastic one for them. I, I think they're just going to kick on next season. I think Bielsa is looking to, to stay on as well, which would be interesting for them and a big plus for them. But yeah, massive result for our uh, massive season for them, Leeds. First time. I think I've seen a stat today as well. It's the highest points return for a newly promoted team in the Premier in, yeah. in the Premier League since nineteen ninety four, I think it might have been. But and, that's al- and also just um at the end of the the league, like in terms of form guide, mm. Leeds actually have the third best form for the last five games. They won four and only lost the one. Um so that's a, yeah. that's an unbelievable return. And we're saying like like if you actually look at Leeds like Leeds results, a lot of it was like they win one, they lose one, they win one, they lose one. They kind of go on that kind of run, and they were mid table the whole way the through. But the last four or five games, they've really kicked on and and they've cemented that top half finish. And listen, TV money, like you always like to say, and and they are a big name, they are a big club. They're gonna attract decent players if they can hold on to the likes of Rafinha then I think Leeds will have a very decent season next uh, next year. Um, the goals came from Rodrigo, Phillips and Bamford from the penalty spot. Bamford, I think, has 17 goals this season. Uh, that's a fantastic mm. return for him. And Robson Canu got a goal which ruined my bleeding clean sheets for my Leeds players and I had Dallas as captain as well. So that was a sucker, <laughs> punch, sucker punch right at the end of, um, of the season. But listen, I didn't do well in the fancy this year. So we'll leave that there. The last game I'm going to cover is Leicester against Tottenham. This was a roller coaster ride, and I mentioned earlier on Chelsea. It was an ill, an ill-tempered last twenty minutes because I think they probably thought they were out of it, and at one point they were. Um, Leicester went two 0 up in this game against Spurs. Uh, Vardy two penalties. Oh, sorry, they weren't. They went one 0 up, and then Harry Kane got an equalizer just before half time. Jamie Vardy got a penalty just after half time to make him go 2 1 up. So that meant that Leicester were in the Champions League spots along with Liverpool and Chelsea were down in the fifth spot. Perfect for everyone, isn't it? Perfect for everybody. And then Spurs out of nowhere. Gareth Bale came on in the 68 minute and he completely turned the whole thing around. Kasper Schmeichel conceded an own goal in the 76 minute and then Gareth Bale got two goals in the last five minutes of the game which meant Spurs ended up in the UEFA Conference League spot in seventh spot and Leicester <laughs> dropped out of the Champions League spots down into fifth, fifth position. In the last two seasons, Leicester have spent, so I think it was 47 weeks, 46 or 47 weeks in the top four. And then in the last two seasons, they failed to qualify for the top four. That's incredible. They've, they've spent the most time out of all the Champions League teams in the top four in the last two years. And they've, they've, only, they've only been out for two weeks of the possible total. Yeah, the last two years, those two weeks were about the final week. <laughs> that's, that's shocking. <laughs> that's that must be heartbreaking. It is. I, I was listening to a few Leicester fans on Sky Sports News and stuff like that, and they, they said at the start of this season that if if you said at the start of the season that they'd win the FA Cup and finish fifth, they would have snapped your hand off. 
but it is it is disgusting the way it happened to them. I mean, they were they were second, third for a long way this season, and they just kind of dropped down the last few games. A few people are saying they might have taken the right off the league a bit after they won the FA Cup. All they needed to do was win a couple of games, win one of their last two games, and they would have uh, qualified for Champions League. But listen, as it stands, Leicester and Chelsea, Chelsea as well, league, but they're going into a Champions League final next week, and their form is not great. And we're going to go on to the next game, Ed, um, which will be their opponents next week, Manchester City, who absolutely made a holy show of Everton. Yeah, um, well, actually, I'm on my list. Liverpool were up next, but I'll go to City anyway. Um, <laughs> obviously, I didn't watch any of this. Um, all the matches kicked off at the exact same time, so I'm not fully caught up on all the, the highlights. But 5-0, um, Matt, I'm sure you watched it. I don't know whether 5-0 is flattering or whether it's, or whether it's well-deserved. Um, a goal from Kevin De Bruyne along with an assist. Aguero capping off his Man City career with two goals, which I'd, I'd say probably not for yourself, but for the Mewfields, it's kind of nice to see him uh, go out with a few goals. Um, obviously, from your point of view, not at Everton's expense, but from my point of view, absolutely at their expense. But uh, <laughs> folding the other goal scorer in that game, um, for Man City, it's a perfect way to end the season. For Everton, I think... I don't know whether they already just that they consider the season over. I don't know whether they really had many aspirations for the Europa, uh, the Europe Conference League, whatever it's called. Um, you could probably tell me more, but to this, this probably looks like Ancelotti knows where he is. I think based on that interview we done, that kind of bizarre, angry interview there about a week ago where he said players can leave if they're not happy. I think he knows now exactly who he wants out. Um. And I do think Everton are actually probably best off out of the competition from uh, from my point of view, just so that they can get rid of the players he doesn't want, bring in a couple of other ones and then attack the league one game a week. And they could find themselves in the West Ham scenario next year or they could do one better. Um, but yeah, Mad City Masterclass um, by the looks of things there. Um, good way to seal up the day because they obviously lifted the Premier League title after that, so if you're a City yeah. fan, there's not there's not many of them. It was probably a great day. Um, yeah. next game up it was Liverpool Palace. Um, absolutely shit myself before kick off. Not gonna lie, Palace are Liverpool's notorious uh, bogey team. Yeah, stopped us from winning the league 2013-14 by by coming back from three 0 down to draw with us. Um, they also ruined. Uh, Gerrard's final ever game at Anfield by beating us 3-1 a, a solid thumping that day um, and they have held us out um, at Anfield a good few times in the past as well to have been Teke and Andy Byman so I actually was shitting myself going into this now obviously the unfortunate news with Eze meant that he couldn't play for Palace but it was a, obviously a bonus for, for Liverpool mm. um, and then Ben Teke wasn't available either but it was a cagey star from Liverpool Palace actually had a couple of chances to Andros Townsend but Liverpool eventually went one in the head from a corner kick. Palace didn't deal with it. It fell to Man or sorry, Firmino's foot. He just kind of snatched at it and Firmino slid with his left leg in and just scooped it into the net. Um I think it canned a bit of nerves. It was exactly what was needed. Um I think at that point as well, that was going into half time. At that point it was looking like it was Liverpool, Leicester, and uh Chelsea I think were one 0 down at that point, so 
I was thinking in my head, Jesus can't get any more perfect because it was almost in the position then as well where Liverpool could actually, if Palace scored, it wouldn't have been the end of the world at that stage. So um, nerves were definitely eased. Um, second half, Liverpool did have plenty of chances. Uh, Palace, it almost looked like they'd given up um, at one point or else they were just, they were dead off the legs. I don't think they were actually able to even fill their bench. That's how short the squad is at the moment. So mm. they probably were. Um Knackered by the by the sixty seventy minute, um, Mane scored a second. Then a uh, good counter attack from Liverpool. Salah with a nice pass to Mane, um, and Mane got a second goal, which basically summed up the victory. And I think everybody in the stadium, even Palace, knew that it was it was going to end either two nil or if not maybe three four nil. Um, Liverpool did take the foot off the gas, um. Weird kind of end of season for Salah. Um, to be honest with you, as a Liverpool fan, I, I was kind of half... I didn't really want him to get the golden boot because I felt like all season he's actually cost us in a few games by being so selfish that he wants to score that if he just laid it and we had a tap in, we might have got extra points throughout the course of the season. And I always believed that, like... If he's going to be unselfish, he'll probably get the fortune back his way anyway, and he'll probably score more goals um, by not trying so hard. But over the last five games or so, it's like he's put his ego and his, his own personal record aside, and he's actually been on the ball, off the ball. He's actually been excellent, like he was in the first year, so it was great to see that. Um, sad day for Liverpool with Gini Wijnaldum leaving. Um, great player. Liverpool have a policy they don't offer a player of 30 years or, or older, um, a lucrative extended deal. I think he wanted something like a three three or four-year extension with an increase of money. Liverpool's position was, you're over the age of 30, you're less valuable, so if anything, they'd be paying less, which is bizarre. Um, when Yaldon put out a, a post on social media and the last sentence of it didn't really sound too good, it was more along the lines of, Liverpool fans will know the truth soon. So that doesn't sound like um like it went smoothly, but credit to him because I don't think I don't think he's mentioned it once in a single interview. He hasn't been talking it up. He hasn't been highlighting or bringing attention to it. He just played. He got on with his game. He got a bit of stick for not celebrating the uh, Allison goal there last week, but you never know what happened on the pitch. He could have he could have hurt himself or something, or you never know. Uh, but sad to see him go. Key member of the squad. Liverpool legend for some of the stuff he's done and uh, it was a sad end kind of in a way to a very happy day Liverpool finishing toward absolutely bizarre man but uh, we'll talk about that in in more detail I suppose after uh, the rest of the fixture so the next match was actually Sheffield United at home to Burnley won't spend too much time on this um, 1-0 to Sheffield United absolutely abysmal end to the season for Burnley Um I feel like every time I'm looking at the fixtures, they've, they've suffered another defeat. Um, they finished 17th, 39 points. Lost four matches in the last five games. Just checked. So, um, very unlike a Sean Dye side. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, 1-0 Sheffield United. Ireland legend David McGoldrick scored in this one. Um, <laughs> that was the only goal of the game. Uh, I really won't, I won't spend too much time on that. Uh, next game was West Ham against Burnley. 
West Ham were in a weird position where I think a draw would have even done them to secure six spot. I think they can only be caught if they lost. And um, is it Spurs? Spurs won five nil or something like that. Yeah. Uh, to jump them, so West Ham are, are relatively safe. But three nil win uh, away to Southampton. Southampton similar to Bournemouth. They had a bit of a kick up in form and they managed to save themselves from relegation. But it looks like over the last three or four games that they're already on holiday and, and it's yeah, the same effort isn't there. And just to have a look at their form, just to contrast contrast it. Uh, Southampton lost three of the last five. There is two wins in there, to be fair, but three losses at the last five. And some of the teams that they did lose that they probably would have been expecting. Um, better results, but 3-0, Pablo Fornells with two of the goals and fair play to him. He actually got an assist for the tour goal, which was scored by Declan Rice. Um, that secured six spot for West Ham. Um, as I said, we'll we'll talk about the season as a whole um, more after the results, but what a season for West Ham, nonetheless. Um, and it brought us to our last game, which was Wolves at home to Man United. United actually ran out 2-1 winners here. Um, much changed squad. It was basically um, United's B team or C team uh, with the Europa League final in mind. Last game in charge of Wolves for Nuno, uh, Spirito Santo. United actually took the lead to one of their U players, Anthony Alanga. Um, I think they have high prospects for him, so obviously a great day for him to get his first goal. Um, Wolves equalised in the 39 minute just before half-time uh, to Nelson Semedo. And then in the fourth minute of injury time, Mathis scored a penalty to put uh, United 2-1 up. Um, it probably made it look like the second half would be very interesting, but by the looks of things, it ended nil all. There was a couple of yellow cards. So, um, job done for Man United. Second place finish. Uh, Wolves, change of manager coming up and everything. So, uh, I don't really think there was much relevance in that game for them other than sentimental values for the outgoing manager. But, yeah, uh, that sums up all the fixtures. Top four, Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea. Europa League, Leicester, West Ham, UEFA Conference League, Spurs, Arsenal and Everton, who were pretty much in with a chance of finishing Europe, both miss out and leads leapfrog Everton into ninth spot. Tenth spot finish for... Everton, which is a disappointing season. But I was looking at a few things today and and uh, before we recorded the podcast and stuff like that. 59 points Everton finished on. Um, 59 points in any of the last five or six seasons would have got you Europa League football. So does that say that Everton have progressed under Carlo Ancelotti? Points-wise, yes, but football style on the pitch, absolutely not. That that also highlights how incredible lead season was. And in fairness to Arsenal, they, they've put a, a small bit of gloss on what was a really, really, really poor season uh for them. Sixty one points they finished on. Again, like that wasn't off champ that wasn't far off Champions League spots last year. I think sixty three or sixty four was Champions League last year. So not a disastrous season, even though they did finish eighth and they won't have European football next season. But Ed I said that if Liverpool finish in the top four, it would be a, a tremendous um, achievement. And they did. And like finishing third spot, four off Manchester United, and, and a lot of people are saying, 
probably one of the better, better Man United teams that have been in the last six or seven years. Um, it's it's an unreal achievement. Now, obviously, they they, they won their last five league games, which basically added fifty points onto the total, and that's the reason why they finished third. But able achievement with all the injuries they had, uh, Van Dijk being out literally since the fifth game onwards. Um, back line signing a young fella from Charlton, another a young fella, um from a championship team or a league one team and he didn't even get a kick of the ball and stuff like that but Thiago finally came good near towards the end of the season um, I'm delighted for Mane uh, getting two goals uh, at the end of the season as well he he had probably one of his worst seasons for Liverpool so listen like all in all Ed as a Liverpool fan you have to be happy with that season don't you? Yeah like um, obviously at the start of the season if you told me Liverpool were going to come toward it would have been like probably massively unhappy with that but considering everything that's happened I mean like the list is ridiculous Um, I don't actually have it well prepared here but the amount of games permanent games missed by the list of players they've shown like mm. it's absolutely incredible Um, like last year Liverpool won the league by 20 points I think it was in the end mm. Um, City have won it now this year by 17 points City lost Laporte for the majority of the season last year. Just Laporte. Mm. They still had all their other centre-backs. Um, millions they spent on the squad. They finished 20 points behind the new champions because they lost one player. Can you imagine if next season City lost Diaz, Laporte and let's say Stones all the one time they were left with Nate Naki and Fernandinho mm. sitting there. Like we'd be talking about them in the same type of same type of form that we were talking about Liverpool all season as bad champions. I mean, that's Liverpool's probably worst team since when Roy Hodgson was in, uh, in charge in terms of what they were able to field on a weekly basis. The worst team Liverpool have had in 10 years finished five points behind the best team United have had in the last 10 years. Well, so, what's that, what's that, what does that say about the rest of the, rest of the teams around them? Surely what, that doesn't bode well for the likes of Chelsea and Leicester and West Ham, Tottenham, Arsenal. Well, yeah, Everton even. If we put context on it, Chelsea changed the manager, spent a fortune, brought in about 10 players. They all had to settle, get to know each other. That was never going to be Chelsea going to win the league because they signed Havertz and Werner. But mm. Leicester City had this the equal amount of injuries as Liverpool. It's just they weren't playing in the Champions League, so it probably wasn't as highlighted as much. Probably because they're little, little old Leicester rather than big club Liverpool. But they probably deserved more credit for that to be mentioned. Leicester lost an awful lot of players for a long time as well. Mm. Um, and credit to them, they still had a chance of Champions League football in the last day of the season and picked up an FA Cup. So Leicester, although it's disappointing with that stat that they've only been outside the top four for two weeks and it just happened to be the final week each time, that's unlucky. But they've had a great season. West Ham had a great season. West Ham's players as well, like injuries is the key here. Any teams that suffered with injuries seem seems like they've had a bad year. But the teams that didn't and kind of got away with a few injuries, like I mean, Man City didn't play with a striker all year, but they didn't really need to. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you've Mares, Sterling, Ferran Torres, Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Good all these players, like if you're missing a striker, it's not the end of the world. One of them can play up front. But mm-hmm. Man United, I think they missed Pogba for maybe 10 games out of, out of the league and apart from that I think Phil Jones was the only other long-term injury they've had all year and he wasn't even registered in the squad 
Uh, Spurs missed Kane um, as they always do for probably a total of a month and a half. Arsenal, Aubameyang had malaria. He was out for a while. He wasn't himself when he was there. Kieran Tierney's injured every second week. I mean, we're, we're saying Arsenal had a bad season. They've just finished the same as Liverpool with five wins in a row, but you wouldn't believe that, would you? No. So, I mean, like, it's a strange season. I think injuries and, and how squads were hit had a massive effect on what way the table panned out. I think if that level of injuries across the board is avoided next year, I think the league will look a lot different. But obviously, the finish third when probably about five weeks ago, Liverpool were still probably eighth or seventh and probably seven or eight points off the fourth spot. To finish two points clear of fourth in third is a remarkable achievement. Absolutely remarkable. Yeah, like if you look, if you look, the last five or six results, um, Chelsea drop points, Leicester drop points, West Ham drop points, Spurs drop points, and Everton drop points, and the teams that went on a little bit of a winning run, Leeds, Arsenal, and Liverpool, all moved up the table. And like you say, it was all just about hitting form at the right time, and they're reaping the rewards from it. I mean, Leeds, obviously Leeds' highest finish in, in the Premier League in a very, very long time, probably, probably 20 years. Um, fully deserved. Fully deserved. West Ham's highest finish in a long time as well. Um, Leicester still had a very, very good season. Let's be real about it, like the FA Cup winners, and they're going to be in Europe again next season. And to be, to be fair, it's probably Leicester's European level. I think if they went into the Champions League and they, they got a group of death, they they probably struggle a little bit. And I think Leicester are only going to improve next year as well. That they're they're already linked with a lot of um really really good players. That they're they're getting a player called Samari as well. I think off Lille. Yeah, he just he, won the French League, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he, he's going to be an unbelievable player for for them as well with the likes of Indeedy in midfield. And Harvey Barnes is to come back for Leicester as well. Like, a lot of the players who are out injured for these teams are all going to be back for the start of next season. Bar Eze for Palace, obviously he's after getting a really bad injury. But it's going to be really, really interesting to see huge summers uh, coming up for the likes of Spurs, Arsenal, Everton. What are Spurs going to do if they lose Ken? It's going to be so, so interesting. But listen, even gonna... even yeah. United, Matt. Like if you look at yeah, it, yeah. right? Harry Maguire was injured there for the last three, four games. Yeah, hmm. in those three or four, three or four games, they lost twice. They drew once, and then they won the last day against Wolves. And like as we said, there was already nothing riding on that game. United hmm. played a B team, but if they miss Maguire, which he played every minute of every game until, until three that, games yeah. ago, so like once he's gone. Like he may be actually kind of underrated, Maguire, because once he's gone, the drop in club Lindelof is is actually an awful defender. Yeah, I was watching him in one of the last matches. I actually think it could have even been the one against Liverpool, and I just thought, Jesus Christ! Like if I was Klopp right now, I'd literally be saying, "Get everything down Lindelof side." Yeah, he's gonna make it. He's gonna make errors. Like the the golfing class there is huge. They need. They need centre-backs in the summer. You'll probably have a lot of United fans that'll be like, oh, Sancho, Sancho. They've Greenwood, they've Rashford, they've Marshall, they've Cavani for another year, they've Dan James. They don't actually need Sancho. What they need is a centre-half. You can't go into another season with with just one reliable centre-half and possibly losing 6-1 at home or... ah. Yeah, Man United, need, are fine. Man, United are, Man United are fine going forward. It's defending yeah, that yeah. style. Absolutely yeah. fine. And it is, it's the same for a lot of teams as well. Like, <laughs> like, like, um, 
yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really interesting summer. Um, big, big transfers, I think, are going to happen. There's going to be a lot of cup price deals um, happening as well. I wouldn't be surprised to see Man United bring in a couple of players, even though they could be sound. Um, Man United don't need to do much to the squad. They, they have a decent squad. They, they have decent cover all over the pitch, really, as well. So um, They need a new, new centre-back and they need a new centre-mid. They need a centre-mid that can do what Fred McTominay and Matic can do, but all in the one player. Yeah, City have that. But what I'm saying to you is that it's not dra- it's not a drastic need. They they definitely need no, a centre half. They definitely need a centre half, but it's not a drastic need. Like if they have a fully fit Pogba um in there with, with Bruno Fernandez, and then like you say, if McTominay comes on a bit, Fred is a bit of a liability, but listen, Man United are gonna be fine next season. Uh, there's no doubt about that. So we're gonna do a quick run through of our end of season awards, Ed. So First of all, I want you to tell who you're going to give your player of the season. Uh, right, it's Harry Kane, but it's a tough one because it could have also been Bruno Diaz or Foden, in my opinion. Mm. Um, in my opinion, they were the best four anyway. Uh, I think Kane has to get it just purely for topping the goals and assist charts. Mm. Um, he has been a lot better this season with him dropping back in actually showing that he is a better footballer than I, I definitely didn't give him the credit that he deserved probably but then again it's the first season where he's actually shown this type of play so um, credit where it's due I think I think he deserves it um, obviously he won't be at Tottenham much longer if he gets his way but I think Diaz Diaz will be unlucky to come second same with oh. Foden, maybe. Foden was absolutely superb this year. I can't remember a time where, where yeah. one of Foden's performances was spoken about negatively. Um, and then Bruno. Like, yeah, we're going to do a signing of the season um, now in a couple of minutes, I think. But if Bruno had it signed in the summer rather than last January, he'd probably have got it for the impact he's had. But I think Diaz will probably get that award because yeah. his impact has been basically similar to what... Um, Bruno walked into United and basically changed the team's mentality. And I think Diaz has done the same with City. So that's that's what you're looking for in a key signing. Yeah, so we'll, we'll give... we'll give uh, The next one was signing of the season. So we'll give Diaz the signing of the season anyway. Because I was going to say... I was going to say either Diaz or Harry Kane for player of the season. So if we're giving player of the season to Kane, we'll give signing of the season to Bruno... Or, sorry, Ruben Diaz. I think that's only fair as well. This yeah. is obviously... Uh, Honorable mentions to what you already said. Phil Foden's going to be. We'll give Phil Foden young player of the season. Yeah, sure. And uh, we'll just say Bruno takes great penalties. We'll do that, right? So, <laughs> um, what I want to do now is surprise of the season. Now, this is in terms of teams. Who was your surprise of the season? I think I think both of us are going to agree on this one. West Ham. Yeah. I thought you were going to actually say Leeds, but Leeds isn't a surprise because that's what Bielsa basically well, told. Yeah, I think I think we kind of knew that Leeds were going to be okay. We we kind of knew that Leeds were probably going to finish between eleventh and fifteenth type of around that kind of yeah. area. Um, just just purely for the fact that there's worse teams in the league than Leeds. Um, but what West Ham have done over the last twelve months, um, is just just incredible. I mean, they were in for the show for Champions League football only two or three weeks ago. And to finish sixth and a comfortable sixth at that is just a fantastic job. Um, all around by all their players. They just they just signed, they bought it, they 
David Moyes, for, for what it's worth, knows how to recruit recruit solid players who are going to give everything for the jersey. And he's done that in Kufal um, and Suchek. And he's getting the best out of all the other players around the squad as well, like Jarbone as well, Antonio, all the boys, Lingard as well, signing. Like that's, that's, that could go down as one of the signings of the season as well. Lingard for West Ham, although he did kind of peel off towards the end of the season. But listen, he was fantastic for them as well. But definitely surprise of the season for me. West Ham, closely followed by Leeds. We'll give them that as well. Now, I'm going to kind of mix these both in together. But worst team of the season will obviously say Sheffield United because he got relegated. But disappointment of the season. Who let you down the most? Liverpool. But I think that was a... There was a mitigating circumstances for that. So who... Who let you down? Who let you down the most that you didn't expect to let you down the most? Well, to, to be honest, like if if you're looking at it that way about mitigating circumstances or whatever, every team's had their dose of bad luck. Liverpool's probably just maybe that little bit more. Them and Leicester, that that bit more than everyone else. But like if you look at Villa, for example, they were flying and they were in possible Champions League spots. They lost their best player. They suffered. Like Wolves were doing well at the start of the season, lost with Sarah, suffered. Um, maybe Southampton, maybe they had less. I, I could be forgetting, but maybe they had less injury problems than. Nah, they than, they they were riddled there. They were riddled there. Um, remember the time they got two pairs sent off at United. Um, yeah. and they they had loads of injuries. They were playing like under eighteen players and stuff like that as well. So they they in the top six for a long time and then they just got they just got a terrible injury, a terrible suspension run right well then got down the I'll tell you what then I'll go with Brighton maybe because I think they probably deserved or have the ability in their squad to be higher than 16th so maybe them then if we're, if we're not going to include teams that have obviously faced a bit of uh, yeah. bad luck or, or diversity but yeah. um yeah, may, maybe Brighton then because with the ability they have in their squad, they should be higher than 16th. Um, but then again, they they probably had injuries as well. Like I, I think they lost Lamptey for basically the reign of the season at one point. So I think everybody had uh, injuries. Think, to be fair, yeah, I think it's hard to pick that one, Matt. To be honest with you, like um, I'm gonna go with Wolves. Is... I'm gonna go with Wolves just just for the same. I know I know Jimenez is a massive part of their squad, but they 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 brought in that young guy. Um, from Fabio Silva. Silva, he just hasn't taken off as well. Um, they have another guy in there. I can't remember his name. Oh, what was his name? They brought him in in January as well. He he hasn't taken off either as well. And they've just been a really really disappointment for me. Like they they basically got the majority of the points. They fin they finished with 40, 45 points, and they got the majority of those points in the first half of the season. And they just skyrocketed down the table. I mean, they were top they were top ten for a bit, and then they ended up finishing thirteenth. And it's only for the teams below them or worse than them that they finished 13, to be honest with you. Um, and they're just, they're just a shadow of themselves. And listen, if Wolves aren't careful, they've had to lose their manager. If they, if they don't recruit a, a, a decent manager, I think they could really, really struggle next season as well. Jimenez was back in the warm-up for, for, for Wolves, but I think that was just kind of a, a morale type of thing. He should be fit and ready for next season. Um, he's been told that he has to wear the protective headband for the rest of his career which is only right and proper uh, Peter Cech had to do that when he suffered the same injury but if I was going to give a disappointment for the whole season apart from Everton listen Everton disappoint me every second week 
but I think mid table is what Everton are, and until until they improve their mentality and their, their style of play, they're gonna finish in around mid table again next season. So it's gonna be an interesting summer for Everton. But we've two more awards we're gonna give out. So we'll start with manager of the season. Ed, who do you want to give manager of the season to? Uh, it's probably going to have to be Pep, um, especially if they win the Champions League, just because that's a treble and the position they were in before Christmas compared to where they finished is it's just unbelievable. So mm. it will probably have to be him if, for just argument's sake, we took him out because, let's just say, his job is easier with the resources he has. So it's expected to win trophies with, with all that money in that squad and no, I think maybe David Moyes would have gotten it if Pep Guardiola didn't win two trophies. I think um, mm. they were they were basically final day away from being relegated last year to go from being basically two points short of fourth spot. That's that's unbelievable management. I think then probably in tour you'd probably say Brendan Rodgers or Bielsa mm. because Brendan Rodgers picked up the FA Cup. Um, he got an injury riddled Leicester to basically a possibility on the last day to still get Champions League football, which is just unbelievable. They wouldn't spend the same money that the, the current top four would spend. So um, them as well. And then obviously Leeds, like you said earlier, highest points tally from promote team. Probably the best brand of football entertainment-wise that was on offer this season. I probably would have even preferred to watch Leeds over Man City, to be honest. So, yeah, yeah, I think Guardiola gets it just because of trophies, in my opinion. But if if we weren't including him, it would have to be, I'd say, David Moyes. Yeah, Guardiola uh, for me as well. Um, David Moyes, honorable mention, and Bielsa, honorable mention for Leeds as well. But remember, I was saying last week that two weeks or two weeks ago, I think it was that Chelsea had the opportunity to win the FA Cup, win the Champions League, and finish in the top four. And for me, that probably would have been manager of the season. And he only came yeah, in yeah. halfway through the season. But <laughs> lost the FA Cup final, could lose the Champions League final and nearly didn't finish in the top four. So that, for me, takes him out of it. Um, yeah, yeah. That's just... That, that, that's just... Like, it, it could have been an unbelievable season for Chelsea. And it still could be. I mean, Champions League win, FA Cup final, even though they lost. And to finish in the top four as well, with, with all that's gone on, the new players come in, the manager... Like leaving halfway through the season, new manager coming in. I think Chelsea are going to be very dangerous next season, and I, I, I can see them kicking on. It's going to be such a yeah. such an amazing season next year. But listen, final award, best team, and I think it has to go to Man City, doesn't it? For what they did, yeah. um, like you said, they were fifteen to one stage and just kicked on. I mean, I, I think they yeah, still lost. Yeah, I think they still wins in a row as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's what that's what won them the league. That was 21, 22 wins in a row is what won them the league. Um, they did lose a few games near the end, but I think they kind of have one eye on the Champions League to kind of get make sure they get into the final and stuff like that. But listen, and I, I'm disappointed in them now um, that he didn't let Everton win yesterday. But what can you do? Um, that, that Everton team just aren't good enough for for European football at this moment in time. And there's a lot of there's a lot of players there that have serious attitude issues, and uh, they need to get out of the club, in my opinion. But listen, that's it, Ed. Premier League season wrapped up. We only came into the we only started the podcast halfway through the season. And I think this is our fifteenth or sixteenth episode. So um final thoughts on the Premier League season. What do you think about? 
Uh, I'm absolutely fucking delighted it's over. <laughs> to be honest, that, yeah, that was that right, was yeah. the most stressful in in the last ten years. That was the most stressful season to watch because maybe in the last ten years there wasn't the same expectations on their shoulders. But it's not even like they failed. It's like the players that won the the actual league last year didn't even really have a chance to defend it. It was a makeshift team surviving from game to game, hanging on by a thread every single week. It was just, it was stressful. It was rotten. Oh, no, I'm just delighted it's over. Uh, decent enough finish to it. Um, the form is good going into next season. Uh, Mentality is probably back up at a, at a decent height after overcoming the last five games. Oh, fuck me, like we needed a goalkeeper to score a winner against West Brom. That's how bad it got. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I just I'm so happy it's over. And uh, looking forward to a fully fit squads. Shutting yeah. a few people up next year. Yeah. Well listen, you needed your goalkeeper to score a goal and a couple of seasons ago, Man City needed the centre half Vincent Company to score a goal against Leicester to win in the league. So listen, these are the moments that, that these are the reasons and the moments why we love football and and listen, I'm already look. I am. I'm delighted. This season is over. I think it was just kind of. It felt a lot longer than drawn out because I think there was nearly a game every day. Obviously, because of the pandemic, there was like basically a Premier League uh, football game on yeah. every day, if not every second day. So I think it was a little bit drawn out. But listen, delighted that the games were on the telly. Most of us were stuck at home for the last year. But listen, um. So we're going to take a two week break on the podcast. The transfer window opened on the 9th of June, which is. Just over two weeks away, the Europe, the European Championships start on the eleventh of June, which is going to be interesting. So we'll probably come back Ed in and around a couple of days before the Euros, give our predictions for the Euros. If there's any massive transfer news, obviously we're going to cover that. Then we'll probably take a break while the Euros are on, let that settle down, come back and then do a couple more podcasts as well, and then start getting it going again before the new season comes in. Europa League final this Wednesday. Manchester United against Villarreal. Best of luck. Come on, Villarreal. Best of luck to... We all live in a yellow submarine. <laughs> and then we have the big one next next weekend, Manchester City against Chelsea in Portugal. So there's a couple more games left to go and then we'll be into the Euros and then when the Euros are over, then they'll be into European qualifying games and then the Premier League will be back. So listen... And we could be joined by either Brentford or Swansea as well. That's very true. That was a great game there between Brentford and Bournemouth. So, listen, we'll see how it goes. And, Ed, thanks very much uh, for being on the podcast over the last, what was it, 16 weeks or so. Um, thanks to all our guests as well who came on, the likes of Amy, um, Keane, everybody that came on as a guest, Holly and Corey as well, the West Ham fan as well. Thanks so much for coming on, giving your time to help us grow as well. Massive, uh, Massive appreciation to all that. We, are, we will be back for next season and thanks to everybody who has listened to the podcast over the last uh, couple of months as well. We really appreciate it. Do get involved and we're looking forward to having you listen to our podcast for next season as well. Ed, thanks again. I've been Matt Smith. He's been Ed Kelvin and that was A Week in Football.